Last week we spoke about condemnation and I actually want to continue on the same subject because there's so much to say about it, there's so much around it and I think that as a body of Christ we've lived in condemnation. Yeah. We've not lived in the full freedom that Christ has given us. And actually I have experienced that condemnation is a part of our lives constantly. We constantly have to come against it. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. And one thing that Satan constantly brings against us is condemnation. And so I very seldom give my message a title. But tonight I've given it a title and it is eradicating condemnation's attack from our lives. Because we need to eradicate it. We need to know how to deal with condemnation. And so I'm going to look at Romans 8, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. What does condemnation mean? Condemnation means to be found guilty of a transgression and to be penalized and to be punished for it, to be sentenced and punished for it. And so there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Greek word for set free is eleutherao, and it means to be liberated, to be set free, to be delivered, and to be released. And we have been released. We have been set free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We have been delivered. We've been released. It's like coming out of jail. I've never been in jail. Thank God for that. But I can imagine that when you are released from captivity, you are free and brings a lot of joy. And the law of the Spirit has set us free from condemnation through Christ Jesus. He has released us from the dominion. Dominion means legal jurisdiction. So the legal jurisdiction means the domination and the control of someone. We have been set free and released from the dominion and the control of sin. Mm. Amen. Amen. You know, we never act perfectly. It is not possible to act perfectly on our own because we have wrong thoughts for goodness sake we don't mean to think wrong we say a wrong thing we criticize someone we we think the wrong thing and that is enough not to be perfect but we have been set free from that control and the dominion of sin why because god condemned our sin in the sacrifice of jesus our sin has been condemned by God in the sacrifice of Christ Jesus so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. The law 
requires any transgression, any sin, any mistake, any mishap, it requires it to be punished and condemned. And so what is the punishment for sin? What is the wages of sin? It is death. So people say, I don't like grace. Grace is just freedom. But honestly, do you want what you deserve? No. You deserve death. You don't want you don't want to deserve things from God. You want Him to bless you by His free favor and grace because it's unmerited and it's undeserved. And that is why Christ has died for you, so that you can be set free. By Christ's substitutionary death, the wage for your sin has been paid. Yeah. It's fully paid. It was punished in the body of Christ. I think that's good news. It says Colossians 1 verse 13 in the Amplified, it says that the Father has delivered us and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. And he didn't just leave us hanging. He delivered us. He drew us out of the control and the dominion of darkness. And then what did he do? He transferred us. Mm. Where? Into his kingdom. The kingdom of the son of his love. And that is where we live. We live in the kingdom of the son of his love. It is the kingdom. We are part of his kingdom. And sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law, but under grace, according to Romans 6 verse 14. You're under Jesus. The law of the Spirit has set you free. You are under the guidance and the control of Holy Spirit. You're under the guidance and the control of Jesus, your Lord, and your Savior. But you know, He's not a manipulator. And He's not a controller. Mm. He will never manipulate you. Never, ever. Because what does manipulation bring? Makes you feel guilty. Makes you feel as if you're suffocating. Somebody manipulates you, it makes you feel guilty. What is that? What happens when you feel guilty? You feel condemned. It's a form of condemnation that comes against you. But thank God we, we are under His grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor. Grace is not a doctrine, it's a person. Do you know grace died for you? Grace blessed you. Grace favored you. Grace set you free. Grace healed you. Oh. I think I could stop now. I'm blessed. <laughs> we are forgiven by grace. We are constantly washed by a waterfall of undeserved and unmerited favor. A waterfall of undeserved, unmerited favor. Just stand there. Mm. Just stay there. 
And you know that waterfall is the living water flowing from the throne of grace. And wherever it goes, it brings life. It brings health. It brings deliverance. It brings healing. It brings ministry. It sets people free. And when you are free, you can go out there and help people to enjoy the freedom that Jesus has given them. Amen. You are constantly washed through the Spirit and the Word, living water. No condemnation is a gift. It's a gift from God. And Jesus gave us that gift. So who, who brings condemnation? Ourselves and the enemy. The enemy brings condemnation and he uses ourselves as well, as well and he uses loved ones and people around us in relationships or friendships or people who are very legalistic who want to tell you you're going to get it. Punishment. But the devil brings condemnation and he uses different things how to bring it. What is his name? The angel of light. Sa Satan is his name. He, he, he poses as an angel of light, but Satan is his name. And what does Satan mean? Accuser. Yes. Satan means accuser. Your enemy is not a murderer. He's an accuser. Does he murder? Yes, he does. He's not a thief. He's an accuser. Does he steal? Yes, yes. he does. He is the accuser of the brethren. Where does he accuse you? In your soul. And in your mind. And in your emotions. That's where he uses it. I'm qualified as a lawyer, and uh, I'm not practicing anymore, but in a court of law, the prosecutor, his job, the prosecutor works for the state, or the police, or the government, he's in, in the employment of the state, or the police of the government, and his job is to accuse the accused of the charged crime. That's his job. And he leads evidence and he confronts the accused with facts or assumptions to show the guilt, bad character, previous behavior, with the purpose of making that person look as bad as possible. That's the job of the prosecutor. He's an accuser. Takes you under cross-examination to prove that there is no justification for you. You're guilty as charged and he would try to get you to admit guilt even if you are innocent. That's his job because he wants to try and get the truth. Now when you practice as an advocate or a solicitor then your job is to prove the innocence of the accused. That's your job to believe the best of that person, even if you think he might be guilty, your job is to prove him not guilty. Your job is not to judge. That is the job of the judge. But your, your 
you are supposed to show that he's not guilty. And you need evidence to show that he's innocent. You need evidence to show that he has a good character. You need evidence to show that he had good intentions, that he's coming from a good family, and that he's not guilty, and that he could never do anything like that. That's, that's what he does. He shows that you cannot be held accountable for what you did, even if you were found to be guilty, you're not accountable. Sometimes he will say, because this crime has been punished already. Now we know we have an accuser, but do you know that you have an advocate? You have an advocate. Do you know who he is? His name is Jesus. Do you know where he sits? At the right hand of the throne of the Father. And there he pleads your case. He's your advocate. He makes intercession for you. He tells Whenever you are accused, he is there to tell you and to convince you that you are not guilty. That you are innocent. That you are perfect. That you have a good family. His family. That you have a father in heaven. It says in 1 John 2 verse 1 and 2, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Because He is the atoning sacrifice or the propitiation for your sin and you cannot be punished twice. Ever heard of double, double jeopardy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's your defense. <laughs> that is your defense against all condemnation. Double jeopardy is a procedural defense that prevents an accused person from being tried again on the same or similar charges and on the same facts following a valid acquittal. You have a valid acquittal. Jesus was accused of all your sin and he was found guilty of your sin because it was imputed to him and he was punished on your behalf and now he is your advocate pleading for you in intercession. Pleading is a legal term. Pleading means to put the case forward. He says, you have double jeopardy because I paid the price. There is therefore now no condemnation for you. These days the police, they have DNA tests and they go back into old crimes and they want to prove the guilt of certain people, etc., etc. But you know that no one can go back on your old crime? Why? Because no DNA test could ever be possible to be yours. Because you are a new creature in yeah. Christ Jesus. Your DNA has been changed. 
<laughs> Your DNA has been changed. Old things have passed away. You are therefore a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have died with Christ. So when condemnation comes, don't receive it. Don't receive it. Don't allow it to pull you down to the pit of destruction. Don't allow it in your emotions because that's the first place it comes in. Your thinking and your emotions and your emotions and your thinking, it's like a vicious circle and it puts you in condemnation. Don't agree with condemnation. Agree with your advocate. Mm. Agree with him. He's pleading your case. And he is reminding you of what he did for you. Agree with him. It will come. Condemnation will come. But you don't have to agree with it. So what do you do? How do you agree with it? You have to say something. You either pray it or you confess it or you say it. It has to come out of your mouth to be effective. I come out of the movement of faith and I fell into legalism and extreme works because of it. But I am not saying that you have to confess, 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 confess. I am saying get a revelation and speak it over your circumstances. Mm, yeah. I am saying study what Jesus has done for you. Feed on what Jesus has done for you. It doesn't matter if you don't understand everything. Just continue because as you continue, Holy Spirit is renewing you. He's teaching you. Your mind is renewed. And then after, I don't know how long, you think, wow, I've changed. Inward transformation is what happens. And we don't understand everything at once. I mean, since I've realized that I felt as if I had to work for everything and pay a price for everything, I realized that something has gone wrong somewhere. And since that time to now, years have passed before I was actually able to tell anyone about the new things that I've learned. I wasn't able to tell them. I was so legalistic. I was so bound up. I, and now I'm free. And you are free. And I'm telling you, you are free. But it's got to come out of your mouth to, to be appropriate what you've received. Appropriate what Christ has done for you. By agreeing with it. By praying with it. And if you don't know how to do it, take the scripture, take Romans 8 verse 1, and just say, Father, I thank you that there is no condemnation for me. I am in Christ. And you know, as you begin to say that, you will feel your spirit lift, and you will understand, and you will see something is changing, this, this feeling is changing, this condemnation is leaving, because I am agreeing with what yeah. God says about me. You are justified, acquitted, made as if you've never sinned.
when I prepared, Holy Spirit said to me, hear your advocate saying to you personally. Sometimes it is good to just change the pronoun of the verse. And if you look at 2 Corinthians 5.21 and you hear Jesus saying it to you, do you know the word of God is God speaking to you? But we need to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.21 Jesus is speaking, he says, God made me sin. I never knew sin, but God made me sin for your sake, so that in me you might be made the righteousness yeah. of your Father. I was innocent, I was spotless, but God imputed your sin to me and treated me as if I was a sinner, so that in me you might become the righteousness of God. King James Version says, so that you might be made the righteousness of God. That Greek word for made is the word ginomai, which means to cause something to be made. In other words, you have been made the righteousness of God. You cannot be anything else. You've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It is a gift. You've been made the righteousness of God. What does righteousness mean? The general definition for righteousness is right standing with God or to be made as if sin never happened, to be justified. But you know, for myself, I've learned these phrases many, many years ago and I've learned it without having any understanding of what it actually meant. I have right standing with God. Okay, I, okay, I can come before Him. I can enter His presence. But as I looked at this, Holy Spirit quickened this to me, that the righteousness of God means that the work of your salvation is finished and through faith we've been given the legal status. We've been made what God requires a perfect man to be. Yes, I think I must say it again. The work of your salvation is finished. And through faith, you have been made and given the legal status of what God requires a perfect man to be. Jesus is perfect. And his standard of perfection that he has is God's standard. Do you agree? That standard has been given to us. It's called the righteousness of God in Him. So you fully meet the standard of perfection that God requires from man. You fully meet it. Isn't that wonderful? That, That really blessed me. He says you found favor. You you have favor with God. Grace means undeserved, unmerited favor.
favor. So I looked up the definition of favor. Favor means approval, support, or a liking for someone. It is the tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. You have been approved by him. He's given you his perfection and he's approved it. He put his stamp on it. It's sealed. It is yours forever. God's delight is in you. He delights in you. You're wearing his stamp of approval. Amen. See yourself stamped, approved. <laughs> you know when you find a document, approved. You're wearing a stamp, approved. You've been sealed with the seal of Holy Spirit until the day of your final redemption. That says approved, redeemed, saved, healed, delivered and set free. No condemnation, approved. That's what favor means, you've been approved. Oh, no matter what situation you have to deal with, you have access to him all the time because you have been approved. He delights in you. He delights in blessing you. Don't rely on your own efforts to solve your own problems. It's definitely not going to work. No. <laughs> You'll become frustrated, discouraged, agitated. It's not worth it. And we all do it. We all, we all have a try at our own way. And then we, we say, okay, it didn't work. Oh, Lord, thank you. Approved. By the blood of Jesus. Approved by his grace. Approved by his sacrifice. Favor. We have favor with him. Therefore, we have favor with man. Mm. I find that, that I just believe that men will do things for me that they don't generally do because I have favor with God. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. I trust him to do that. I see it happen in my life. I sometimes think, oh, I don't know how to, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I really messed up. I made a big mess of this thing now. How am I ever going to solve it? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe I said something I should never have said. And I do that. But I still have that solicitor spirit jump on me sometimes. <laughs> Take people under cross-examination. <laughs> Not to prove their innocence, unfortunately. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, he doesn't deal with us according to our iniquity. He deals with us according to Christ. Yes. So it doesn't matter what has happened. You go to your Father with boldness to the throne of grace where you receive help and mercy in a time of need. Rely on his favor. Pray his favor. Confess and speak about his favor and say, Father, you know this situation. I messed it up. I don't know how I'm going to fix it, but I ask you for your wisdom and I thank you that you give me favor. Mm. 
and you know when you go you find that you've got favor and you are able to speak you are able to say what you need to say why because favor is supernatural yeah it's mm. not a natural thing it is supernatural it works supernaturally you know Jan and I often speak about it with and now again with his work and he's in South End on Sea and it's not, a, it's not the greatest place for him to be and he's not at home. But he said to me, Lenise, God has given me so much favor. I just see that I see his favor in manifestation. I can see the favor of God. What a blessing. That is such a blessing. So begin to believe that people will change rules to help you. Yes. Not because you deserve it. Just, just believe it. And if it doesn't happen, it makes no difference. Makes no difference. You have been approved. Thank you, Father. I know that, uh, that I, maybe I was wrong in going that direction. It doesn't matter. But thank you, Daddy, for your favor. Yeah. Thank you that you guide me, that you lead me, that you give me wisdom, that yeah. you instruct me, that you go ahead of me, that you're behind me, that you're in me, that you're around me, that your angels yeah. camp around me. Hallelujah. You just thank Him for everything yeah. that He's given you, for everything that He's deposited in you. Favor. People change his rules. People change rules. Oops, grammar. <laughs> Agree with your advocate. What else have you received? Peace. Peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Romans 5 verse 1 says, I didn't write it down, but let me have a look at it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have peace with God. What does that mean? That guarantees, by His sacrifice, by his blood, it is guaranteed that God will never be angry with you. Mm. <sighs> mm. Wonderful. Yes. You have peace mm. with God. Yes. God won't be angry with you. What, why would he be angry with you? Can you tell me why you think God would be angry with you? Because you didn't do right, but he says you are forgiven. Yeah. He says there is therefore now no condemnation for you. He says, oh, I remember my past and he's still angry because I did ABC. He's given you a new, a new life. Yeah. Your past is gone. It is finished. Yeah. I just failed miserably. I, I just did what I shouldn't have done. You, you are reconciled not by your own actions and not by your works, but through faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus. Does that mean you can just go out and do whatever you want to do? And no, of course not. It doesn't mean that. Why? Because if you're under grace, sin will have no dominion 
over you. So if sin dominates you and it rules over you and you want to live in, in it and you, for example, let's say you, you insist on living in adultery and say, well, that's okay because I'm under grace. I'm telling you, you're not under grace because grace will teach you to deny godliness. Grace teaches to deny godliness. Amen. What does it do? It teaches you to deny ungodliness. Wonderful. People say, oh, you can't have too much grace. Rubbish. You can't. You ought to have fullness. You ought to have the full understanding of what he's given you. Yeah. Amen. We have peace with God. We also have supernatural peace as an inheritance. John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And the Amplified it says, Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. That is a mouthful. You have to read it about five times to get it. Was that John 14? 27 in the Amplified. So, peace has been bequeathed to you. What do you do when you bequeath something? You leave an inheritance. It's an inheritance. I bequeath my table to you. When I die, it's yours. <laughs> so you have an inheritance of peace. You no longer have an inheritance of guilt and punishment and condemnation for your sins. But you have an inheritance of righteousness, peace and joy. Through Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that peace guards your heart yes. and your mind. Yeah. It says in uh, Colossians 3, in the Amplified, I uh, read that scripture. <clears throat> Um, do you know where it is, Les? <laughs> I can't find. Uh, Colossians 3. Well, you've got a piece of scar in your heart and mind. Yes, yeah. yes, that one. Yeah. Verse? Uh, it says in Colossians 3, I can't remember the verse, it says, Let the peace of God guard your Indeed. mind. Thank you. 15, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. But in the Amplified, does anyone have the Amplified? I've got the new Amplified. Okay, read it please. Uh, Let the peace of Christ, that inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. 
For this peace indeed you were called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. So let the peace of God, the supernatural peace, guard your mind and your heart concerning all questionings mm. and let it settle it. Mm. Very often, how are you guided by Holy Spirit? How do you discern the guidance of Holy Spirit? Peace. By peace. Mm. Okay? Mm. But, but very often we use it flippantly. We say, oh, I don't have peace about it. And you know, we just because we just don't maybe pray enough about it. But that inner peace is supernatural. Mm. It is a guidance of Holy Spirit mm. in your life that helps you to walk in the right way. Yeah. that helps you and guides you to make the right decisions. Unfortunately, we can't find verses in the Bible for personal guidance. Like, for example, um, must I move to London? I won't find a verse in the Bible like that, and it would be quite dangerous to look it up and say, Jesus told the Israelites to leave Egypt, so I'm leaving Norwich and I'm going to London. I think I could uh, really get into deep trouble because of that. <laughs> no, how are we guided and led? How are we guided and led by Holy Spirit? We are guided and led by Holy Spirit by an unction. He, he, he will use scripture, but very often he gives you an yeah. unction. And then you pray about it, and you make a decision. And when you've made the decision, that is when you discern the peace of God or not. Mm. Not before you've made the decision. Mm. Amen. Mm. This is our inheritance. We've received this peace. Mm. He will guide you out of every trouble. He will guide you out of every problem. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But in context of the message tonight, that was a side <laughs> diversion. In context that we have peace with God and He will not be angry with you. Why? Because you've been redeemed by Christ. Jesus. It is your inheritance. Don't receive anything less. When you begin to confess these truths, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whilst things are going wrong, it lifts you up. Yes. If you confess, I have peace with God. Yeah. God is not angry with me. It changes you from the inside out. When you begin to say, I have hope, I have joy, mm. I have peace, I have been justified, there is therefore no condemnation for me. Begin to pray it, yeah. begin to say yeah. it. Otherwise, it's just knowledge. But as you begin to appropriate it in your life, as you begin to use it, say it, and act on it, yeah. the supernatural takes place and you are transformed from the inside right. out. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Mm.